from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The The Cooler. This week, inspired by the ongoing trials of Moby, we're exploring an epidemic that seems to particularly afflict men of a certain age. It's Selective Celebrity Memory Syndrome. Speaking of afflictions, millennials out there, get ready to call in sick. Because the World Health Organization has officially acknowledged a phenomenon that specifically impacts us. And I'll be revealing why, if you listen closely in the direction of Boston, you can hear a low but persistent wah sound. And spoiler alert, it has a little something to do with whiny straight guys. So before we get to the episode, we are going on summer hiatus soon Mm -hmm. for July and August. But before we do that, we want our finale episode to include you, the listeners. Yes. We must solve some problems before we go. Yes. So if you need a problem fix Mm -hmm. and you need advice, call our hotline. If you have a topic you want us to cover, call our hotline. If you just want to tell us you love us, call our hotline. We're really cool with that. So make the hotline bling, if you will, at 415-553-2850. And don't forget to drop your name and your location so we can shout you out properly on the show. Please make our dreams come true because we want to hear from you. Emmanuel, Jamidra, dear listener at home, tell me straight, how often have you thought about Moby in the last 10 years? Uh, who that? <laughs> I only think about him when I see a picture of Moby. And I think, wow, Michael Stipe from R.E.M. really let himself go. Well, for some reason, I thought Moby was associated with R.E.M. because... See? Yeah, that. And then when I hear Moby, I just think about the novel. Like, I'm not... I have no association with the So you think about the dick, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I mean... (laughs) Where's the change? (laughs) Well, for the uninitiated, Moby is a 53-year-old musician and DJ who is famous for making music like this, primarily for car commercials. Um, okay, dear. Not a bop that I would jam to, but okay. Um, This is the thing. It was all the rage around 1999. Also, lest we forget... He did have what I would consider a bop with Gwen Stefani called Southside. Mm. I like that. That's quite good. I mean, but was it his bop or was it Gwen Stefani's bop? Right. Well, just to throw Baby Carly under the bus when that album play was released, you know, the one he's like jumping on the cover. Yeah. I really liked it. I was too young to know better. Well, this is going to be pertinent to what we're going to discuss. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fun fact Moby, real name Richard Melville Hall. Oh, the lies. The lies already. And Melville. Mm. Uh, This is the thing. He is famously named after his ancestor, Herman Melville. What? Author of Moby Dick. Whoa. Um, knew the dick was in there somewhere. Here we go. <laughs> oh, this is the thing. If you've been following his latest exploits, a more fitting name might be Moby Dickhead. <laughs> wow. He has written a memoir. His second memoir. It's called Then It Fell Apart. It's all about his sex and drugs and drink-fueled years at the top of the charts. And the reason everyone's been talking about it is because it includes this claim that he dated... Notably attractive film star, (laughs) Natalie Portman. Oh, hey, Natalie. He claims that he was 30 and she was 
a young woman. And Natalie Portman has come out and said, this is not true. She had just turned 18 and she recalls him as the creepy guy that wouldn't stop hitting on her. So basically debunking his claims that they ever dated at all. This has been big news. And if you're thinking, Carly, this is all news. This all happened a couple of weeks ago. You are correct. But it won't go away because he just put himself back in the news by apologising, sort of, and cancelling his book tour. He says he's going away for a very long time. We should be so lucky. So his book title, And Then It Fell Apart, could be about his career and his book tour. It could. Nostradamus, he was Mm -hmm. so prescient. A lot of people have covered like how supremely gross his mischaracterization of everything here, the fact that they were dating or not, Natalie Portman's age, like just out of high school, just turned 18. Wait a minute, back up, back up, back up. Uh, because people paid attention, like I said, no idea. I don't rock with Moby, so. It's so, like Michael Stubbs dating yeah, women these yeah. days. Uh, so did he acknowledge that he lied about it? Or is he saying that he like misremembered he's saying that she doesn't remember this what is the is the thing his apology was the old classic non-apology and he initially claimed that no we did date and i have photographic evidence Mm. which is not weird at all especially when the photo is him without a shirt on (gasps) and her looking like i'm backstage and he's touching she looks like she's in a hostage video and he is sweating profusely all over her the gross gender politics of this aside, there is this other huge issue that is just screaming out to me here, which is that this is yet another famous guy misremembering their past mm. in the quest for eternal self-aggrandizement. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to say two words to you that you might not have thought about in a long time. Brian Williams. <laughs> oh! Wow. Yeah, he, who uh, remembers Brian? I do. It was a, he's, he's the one who, who fell out of the sky. And, uh, yeah. Well, mm, if you, if the Apocalypse Now whole encounter that he recounted that never happened. Yeah. Father to Allison. <laughs> if you cast your mind back to 2015, he had been claiming for years and years that he was on a helicopter in Iraq covering the war that got attacked by enemy fire and was downed. Turns out didn't really happen. But he was putting this story about and it got kind of wilder each time. For example, here he is on David Letterman telling that story. Two of our four helicopters were hit by ground fire, including the one I was in. No kidding. Uh, RPG and, and AK-47. Yeah, kidding. Sounds like it's kidding. <laughs> mm, so it all came out that basically that was kind of bullshit. People who were there said mm, that did not happen. That's not why the helicopters landed. He may have checked in on Facebook, but he wasn't actually mm. there. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you let the truth get in the way of a good story? Right. Right. But there is this epidemic, it seems to me at least, of this happening with men's memoirs. Like, mm. do you remember that author, James Frey? Oh, <gasps> yes. That guy, he wrote this memoir, like his life, his autobiography called A Million Little Pieces. It sold a bajillion copies on Oprah's book club. And then it was revealed back in 2006 that he'd made up pretty much tons of the juiciest stuff. Mm. The worst thing that could ever happen to you in your life is Oprah being disappointed in you. (gasps) She was so disappointed. There was this one moment in their back and forth. He came on the show after it was revealed that he had lied and she was going through various parts of the book that really touched her. And she was like, so your girlfriend who allegedly committed suicide, like what happened to her? And he's like, oh, she's alive. She's like, what? Yep. Why not write a novel? Why do that? Well, that's a good point because he admitted that what he'd written, this manuscript, he had been initially shopping it round to publishing houses as 
a novel, as a work of fiction. But it had got turned down not once, not twice, not thrice, but 17 Mm, times. And so then he just decided to say, oh, well, this is a a gritty memoir of my life as it happened rather than it being fiction. (sighs) Which is not advised. And again, the title and his career, A Million Little Pieces. Okay. It's in them now. It's foreshadowing. These people know. They, yeah, they, they, they always them, yeah. know. Also, can we talk about George Bush? He mm. has also made false claims about his time in the army that just didn't happen. They have been totally debunked. I think it's amazing how willing these guys are not to stick to their guns when they get found out. In each instance, it's incredible. Moby is one of the people that is weirdly stuck to the story, but... All of these other dudes, like, sorry to talk about more musicians that no one cares about, Motley Crue bassist Nikki Six. Mm. He wrote this autobiography in 2001 called The Dirt. It's now a Netflix movie. I don't know whether it's any good. But he detailed, in addition to all of the crazy sex and drugs, this horrible story in which he's having sex with a woman in a closet at a party, right? It's full of rock stars and he's having sex with her and then he sneaks out, finds Tommy Lee and says, hey, it would be really funny if you went back into that closet, which is pitch black, instead of me and carried on having sex with this Mm, woman. Why would you tell, why would you do that, That number one? And then why would you tell anyone? And then why would you write it in a book Uh to be published? It happens. They all think it's very funny. We have a word for that. We do. Starts with a... And so he was challenged on it. And then he said, I have no clue why that story is in there. He basically threw his co-writer under the bus. And Nikki Six said, I was out of my head and it's possibly greatly embellished or I made it up. Well, you can't so do that. I just, do we have fact checkers or right? girls? Like, I guess, well, I guess you can't really fact check someone's personal memoir because they're the only ones who know. But as soon as you start mentioning other people and other, people name, who, other people's names, thing. I would think there would be a second level of like... Text Natalie. Yes, yeah. Just say, yo, did we date or not? Mm. Is that real? Guys, what is going on here? Is this a celebrity dude version of like lying a tiny bit on your resume, except that for you, your resume is a book about your life? I remember guys, this being a topic of conversation for girls Uh in high school and guys lying about how far they went with girls and girls always having to sort of like defend themselves or speak up. But it's just it's something that's been in the water for a long time. I'm so glad you said that because I have theories. And theory number one is Mm. it's all the patriarchy's fault. The Moby genre of, yeah, I totally banged that chick Mm. of men's misrememberings. They will be familiar to anyone who has attended high school. I mean, Jamidra, you remember it. Mm -hmm. I totally remember it. It's a dumb lie because you'd think that the woman could just disprove it. That's where you're wrong. I think these dudes know how little we value the words of women. Mm -hmm. And that's totally what they're banking on. And the sad thing is, you really do have to be Natalie Portman levels of fame to be actually listened to. Seriously. Although that didn't stop Moby from then, like, faux humbly saying, like, yeah, I wouldn't want to own up to dating me either. He said... To be honest, I can't figure out why she would actively misrepresent the truth about our, albeit brief, involvement. The story as laid out in my book is accurate, with lots of corroborating photo evidence. (laughs) Just the one, though. Right. And it's at a concert. They weren't dating. And for what we think of that, I have to toss quickly to the iconic Adult Swim chat show Space Ghost Coast to Coast and let Space Ghost himself, who is sick of Moby talking, take this one. (laughs) Celebrities, huh? So celebrities are more important than the safety and well-being. Nobody cares, Moby. <laughs> Nobody cares. No one. Wait, what was that about? <laughs> Just go on YouTube and wow. find Space Ghost Coast to Coast. My second theory, I want to know what you think of this. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? 
I have. No, explain. Right. The Mandela effect is this phenomenon where there's this universal misremembering of stuff. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a lot of people remember seeing news footage that Nelson Mandela died in prison. But he didn't die in prison. He died in the 2000s, long after he was freed. So that's why they call it this effect, where there's almost like mass hallucination, but if a hallucination was a memory. So I have this feeling that after repeating and repeating the lie, by the time Moby has come to write this memoir, he is possibly under his own Mandela effect regarding his own life. He had details, though, honey. Like that was this one thing to be like, did I date that person? Because I ain't gonna lie, there have been times when I'd be like, did I did I give that person my phone number? Because I used to give fake phone numbers out a lot. Wow. So it can happen, but like to remember actual encounters, Uh because I I didn't read all of it. I I saw headlines, and the headlines Mm. looked a little skeevy. Well, some people classify dating in different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people will be like, oh, we went to the movies and held hands. No, and he said people... he said they dated. Mm. And also with hooking up. Like some people think that's full on sex. Some people think it's making out. So some mm. people think it's just watching a great movie on television. Netflix mm-hmm. and, and chill. chill. This leads me to theory number three, guys. Human frailty. I'm not defending him at all. But who hasn't given the version of their life that they want to be most true? I've definitely done that. I mean, I haven't claimed to have dated Natalie Portman. I'm wow. going to say. But yeah. I've never said I dated Morris Chestnut. Like, I, that would have been nice. But it never happened. I'm not out there saying that it was me that married Idris Elba. <laughs> well, we all know it's fact that I am married to Tom Hardy. True, true. Like, that is just and the truth. lips. Mm-hmm. I looked this up in noted medical journal, Psychology Today, and found uh, someone called Dr. Brian Moore saying that lying like this or misremembering is at most a misguided attempt at fitting in and connecting with others. We Mm. are social animals. Our happiness, welfare and existence depend on connectedness. And we believe that the more we align our experiences with others, the more they will like us and accept us into their circle. When that happens, the happier and safer we feel. Mm. And who among us has not felt a teeny tiny lie start to grow and evolve? And just look at what the lies that these men are telling do, Moby sounds like a stud. Brian Williams sounds like the guy that's in the action, not just covering the action. And James Frey sounds like this tearaway literary badass, not like a failed novelist that tried to get his book published 17 times. Damn. Forgive me my Carrie Bradshaw moment, guys, but Uh are lies the lives we wish we'd lived? Wow. You took me there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. This is all at the risk of getting (laughs) sympathetic to Moby. So let's end by looking at a couple more totally bonkers memories from his memoir that might now need fact checking. So Mm. I want you guys to tell me whether you think that these feel true or whether we should be setting the fact checking. Exactly. Remember, these are all things that he is claiming in this book actually happened. Number one. He takes a young Lana Del Rey back to his apartment and she proceeds to call him bougie and says that he would have been guillotined in the French Revolution. Oh, okay, I can believe that. That's a true Mm -hmm. one. Okay, we think that one's true. Number two. Backstage at the last show of his tour, Moby discovers comedian Andy Dick trying to unsuccessfully poop on Moby's vegan cake. (laughs) I just, I can actually believe that one also. Yeah, Andy Dick is... Yeah, he's Dick. Nuts. (laughs) Number three. Using the bathroom at a bar after having drinks with Ewan McGregor, Moby finds himself face to face with Russell Crowe, who pins him against the wall and starts screaming at him. I don't know about the, this one totally checks out. Yeah. This exactly sounds like something Russell Crowe would do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. In short, the truth will set you free unless you're a rich and famous dude, in which case you really don't have to worry about it at all. See you on the book tour. <laughs> <laughs> 
question? Tell me what, what you, you think, think about. That is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you guys have felt burnt out? Yesterday. Uh-uh. Same. Right now, honey. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, your day was too relaxed. <laughs> exactly. Right now. I'm here to let you know and the listeners know that it's not in your mind. Us millennials in particular are really burnt out lately. Mm-hmm. And I think there are several reasons for that, which we'll get into. But I just want you to know that we have an ally in the World Health Organization because they have officially upgraded. Okay. Another Beyonce reference. Mm. Let me upgrade you. They've officially upgraded burnout from, quote, a state of exhaustion to a syndrome resulting in chronic workplace stress. So mm -hmm. it's official. They're looking into it. They're studying it, which means that we all got problems. It's nice to have a friend in the WHO, isn't it? Listen, so I'm going to take you to church right now. Mm, And I'm going to ask you, are you feeling energy depleted? Yes. Exhausted? Amen. Decreased mental distance? Testify. Ah! Negative? Just in general? (laughs) (laughs) Always. It's going to be another word, though. (laughs) Just negative? Cynical? Oh, yes. Yep. And are you losing interest in your job? Yes. Not in the podcast, but the rest of my job. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> well, then fix it. Then, as you know, we are officially suffering from burnout. So it wasn't yesterday. It is happening right now. Okay. So I have been wondering what separates burnout mm-hmm. as a newly defined term yes. from just feeling kind of shitty. So burnout is officially associated with your job. Okay, so the World Health Organization was very specific about the fact that you can't just apply these symptoms all willy nilly to anything. Because, you know, we've got and they can't burnout can lead to depression and anxiety and and affect other parts of your life. Mm. But these symptoms and you being upset and depressed and exhausted and all that are specifically tied to your job. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. it's a professional affliction. It's a professional affliction. I can't be burned out from trying to care for succulents that will not Mm, receive my love. That doesn't (laughs) You can't call in about that. No, no. That doesn't that doesn't qualify. I think a lot of us think that the way to solve burnout is sort of like not working anymore, right? Or maybe being rich and wealthy or having a dream career. Would love all of those things. Yes. Also, I think a lot of millennials, because we are kind of workhorses, because we've been programmed to always be on the hamster mm-hmm. wheel. A lot of us think, okay, if I take one self-care day or like a little weekend or a little vacation, then it should be fixed. Mm-hmm. But some of these issues at the workplace are chronic and don't go away. And it's not us it's them Mm, yes just saying Mm. do you think it's our generation in particular like millennials and folks after us what gen z gen y gen all those who really have to come up with and formalize the self-care in a different way than older generations do because i feel like for me working in the modern day age and technology i feel like i'm always on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't remember my mom being always on and available in that same way and she worked every single day and was busy but I don't remember her worrying about work when she was home. There's the expectation now that we have phones Mm -hmm. and we are always reachable Mm -hmm. that we should be kind of on. If your boss sends you a text message at like 11 at night, you kind of have to respond to it. Mm -hmm. And that did not used to be the case. Who's calling up, ringing, dialing with that rotary (laughs) rotary phone? phone. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not doing that back in like 1982. But nowadays it's like, and it's like, Well, the lack of technology gave us an excuse that we don't really have. Yeah, I wasn't home. I missed your call. Sorry. The other day, Mm -hmm. personal anecdote, Mm. I got a text on a Saturday afternoon from my boss. Mm -hmm. I love him. So this is no shade. He's great. And he wanted to talk to me about something. And I responded truthfully. Mm -hmm. I said, I am very drunk (laughs) at a lesbian dance party. And yes, it is 3 p.m. But like, this is my life. And I will... Get back to you on Monday. Mm -hmm. And then he responded, I love you. 
thumbs up. Exactly. So not all of us have great bosses that understand that there Mm -hmm. are limits and boundaries around weekends and nights and whatever. So burnout occurs. Burnout occurs. I think related is a very interesting article I read in the New York Times about the importance of being a little bit more scarce. We're Hmm. all so available. We're all saying yes to things. We're all raising our hand. We're saying, sure, I'll do that. No worries. Should we blame Shonda? Because Shonda Rhimes (laughs) told us all to say yes. Yes. Mm. We we all took a year of yes and now we're all burnt out because of it. I'm terrified to blame her, but I feel some of the blame must fall (laughs) upon Shonda's shoulders. Well, we could give her half and then the other half to Bethany from The Real Housewives, Mm. who always comes from a, quote, place of yes that she taught all the people who watch that show. I don't know. I didn't watch four episodes this weekend. What? We've been saying yes too long. This brings me to another point, which is that although the bosses are sometimes to blame, sometimes we have to blame ourselves. Because many of us do have careers that we really enjoy and we really love, and we dedicate everything to those careers at the expense of our personal life. Mm -hmm. And so celebrities are not immune to this. You may think if you're rich, if you're famous, you got the money to ship off to a fun little rehab, (laughs) <laughs> you are still susceptible to exhaustion. How many times have we heard celebrities use the term exhaustion or they dip out or they disappear? You've got celebrities like Beyonce, who has suffered from exhaustion before. She had to step back and um, stop touring back in 2011. You've got Lily Singh, YouTube star. She had to back away because she said that she was you know, going through a few things. Tiffany Haddish, I don't know if you guys remember back in January, she bombed at a oh, comedy yeah. show in Miami. Oh, yeah. Later, TMZ like caught her in the street. But also, give me a side note about TMZ. Give people some breaks and right. some space. Okay. Nosy. Anyway, they caught her in the parking lot and she admitted that like in 2018 she'd only slept in her own bed 28 days out of the entire year she was exhausted you know if the offers are rolling in it's hard to say no it's hard to say no because it could dry up about that money trying to keep her career afloat i don't want to pretend i have all the answers but Mm -hmm. in times of trouble i return as i often do to one of the most profound movies ever made the Muppets Christmas Carol. Wow. Okay, classic, yes. There's a great scene where Gonzo and Rizzo are hanging out on a market stall. They're selling fruit and vegetables. And Rizzo is eating the apple. And Gonzo's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, we're trying to sell these. And Rizzo finishes the apple and he says, I'm creating scarcity. It drives the prices up. Facts. Mm-hmm. So if you create a little bit of scarcity with your own apples, mm-hmm. your price will rise. Guys, horrible truth. No one respects you for doing the most. No one respects you for answering the call at 11 p.m. on a Sunday or whatever. They don't think how dedicated, how incredible. They think chump. They Mm -hmm. think you're a sucker. Also, they think I'm going to continue to use this person because they're making themselves available. Also, you know who else stops respecting you when you do? You put yourself out there like that. Your children, your spouse, (laughs) your dog, Mm -hmm. but also your brain. So a study led by uh, some foreign people, Amita (laughs) Golkar at the Carol, uh, no, mm, it's an institute in Sweden. Gotcha. uh, And this study was cited by the Association for Psychological Science, and it shows that there is profound emotional exhaustion and negativity brought on by burnout, and it can actually change your brain. I fully believe it. Mm -hmm. These changes include like increase in moodiness and stress. It can weaken your attention span, making it difficult to learn your memory also. And also the brains of people who have chronic burnout show similar sort of damage as people who have experienced trauma. So this is a form of trauma. Damn. And burnout reduces the connectivity between different paths in your brain, which makes it hard for you to be creative. So if you got a creative job and you think I'm just going to push myself Mm -hmm. because I want to turn it out, the more you burn yourself out, the less creative you are. 
What I will say yes. is we are our own worst enemies with this, though, that mm. I am definitely guilty of entering into masochistic competitive tiredness yep. with other people. Oh, I slept six hours last night. Well, I only slept three. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we do it. It's this drive to prove that you're somehow the best for treating your body like shit. It's not smart. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I worked harder than you. We And we all pat ourselves on the back for killing ourselves. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Basically. I can kill myself more effectively than you can. <laughs> I pulled an all-nighter. Exactly. I used to snort Adderall in college. It's like... <laughs> Calm down. Who has it? I'm finding myself increasingly respecting one person most in the world, and it is my 21-year-old brother, who whenever I call him, day or night, no matter the time, I say, what are you up to? And he says, absolutely nothing. We need more of that in our lives. He's the happiest guy I know. So another person who took that advice, and maybe she talked to your brother, I don't know, Ariana Huffington? Okay. She's oh, familiar? Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2005, she did an interview with Oprah and she talked about being burnt out to the point that she actually collapsed. I like, do remember passed this. out in her office, bumped her head, almost took her eye out. What? I mean, she sat down on the couch for Super Soul Sunday and told Oprah all about it. I was asking myself, is this success? You know, by conventional definitions of success, I was successful. Right. By any sane definition of success, If you're lying in your own pool of blood on your office floor, you're not successful. Because you are so exhausted. Because you are so exhausted that you collapse. Who's successful when you're laying in the middle of the floor? It is not worth it. Is it worth it? It isn't. Mm. So we already have the apple tip Mm. of scarcity. From Rizzo Mm -hmm. the Rat. (laughs) Do we have any other tips to offer the people? We absolutely do. There are a couple different ways that you can combat burnout, right? And I've turned to the people at Health Guide who are uh, your trusted guide to mental health and wellness. They sound shady. Mm, They do sound a little shady. (laughs) (laughs) They had a few tips. Okay, one was, when you're talking about people, they want you to reach out to the people who are closest to you. Spend more time with your friends. Yes. And another point that I may not agree with is they said spend more time with your coworkers. I don't know if I would say that, but they say if if your work is sucking for you, it might be more fun if you connect with people at the office that you really like. I mean, I don't know, because then when you're with your coworkers, you tend to talk about work. Mm Mm-hmm. And like the things that are bugging you about work and it's good to get it off your chest, but also you're still thinking about it and you get agitated yeah. and it comes back up. And you know what? If you connect with another person having burnout, then you fall into this trap, which is you're supposed to limit contact with negative people. So then you'll just yes. be a negative yes. in the break room altogether. Toxicity, it's infectious. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also suggest you find new friends if you have, <laughs> if you have negative people in your life, which is, I mean, sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? How long can it be? There's only thousands of books written on the topic. Yeah. And then there were other couple things like setting boundaries and taking a break from work, set aside time to relax and get plenty of sleep. All things that I'm not doing, but all common sense. To be fair, you do have a full-time job and three children. It's crazy. I mean, burnout is particularly acute when it comes to parents and working parents. So uh, listen, I won't say it's my happy place, but it's my place. I'll strike the happy. Burnout is my place. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you guys do when you're feeling burned out? I fully subscribe to the cliche of going and screaming at large bodies of water. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't scream at them. But being by water is so therapeutic and calming, whether it's lakes, oceans. If you're lucky enough to have a car, as I do, go and drive to that water and sort of look at it for a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call you out in this moment and say that you stole that from a Natalie Portman movie called Garden State (laughs) where they go to the edge of a cliff and scream at a body of water. Can I Did you date Natalie? Can Yes, but can I reveal something about myself? Sure. I've never seen Garden State. So how could I rip off the movie without knowing Emmanuel? Um, I'll wait to your memoir to find out what the (laughs) truth is. We'll see. I'm going to set my girlfriend on you and her name is Natalie Portman. Yeah. 
What about you, Emmanuel? What do you do to decompress and make sure that you are not burning yourself out? A lot of times it feels like a hamster wheel, like Mm -hmm. I said earlier. Even something that you love, like this podcast, it happens every week. Mm -hmm. Some weeks, maybe you're just not feeling inspired. And like you said earlier, creativity takes a blow sometimes. Yes, it does. Which is why I'm glad that it's possible to lean on your coworkers when you're feeling like that. Like, hey, y'all, I'm burnt out. Can you take a segment or can you do this? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. And also, if you have to power through it, play some good music, really loud in your headphones. It'll help. Yeah. I have two more tips. Number one, if you turn down an invite, you haven't consigned yourself to the seventh circle of social Mm -hmm. hell. It's fine. People will keep asking you. And number two, it's okay to turn down that invite by saying that you're doing absolutely nothing. What do we say? You don't have to invent new plans. No is a complete Mm -hmm. sentence. Period. Mm -hmm. I'm always burnt out, as I said. But I try to keep myself from going off the deep end by, like, being alone. Mm. Which is a luxury for me because I'm always surrounded by small people who need things. And just in general. So I try to be alone. I try to, like, cut out technology if I can. Like, I try to get away from my phone because I spend a lot of time on my phone. And headlines are stressing me out. Mm -hmm. And work email stresses me out because I, I, my work email is on my personal phone. It's not that. And then I enjoy a glass of wine here and there. Obviously. Mm. I was about to mention, we, no one's mentioned alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we made it a whole like 20 minutes without mentioning <laughs> Within drinking. reason. It's yeah. great. Turn off your push notifications. Everyone always. That's my advice. Power's in your hands. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that burnout occurs when the demands of your job outweigh the rewards, recognition, and times of relaxation. That's the main takeaway here. Take time for yourself. And take a vacation. All right, let's go to SFO, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's the The pig and the pig. Hey, the pig and the pig. Hey. It's time for the highs and lows of pop culture of this week. I'm going to start with the pit. Because I want to end on a positive note. Yeah, okay. let's yeah. So, inspired by all the malarkey. Mm, yes. <laughs> Hashtag Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> he uses that a lot. Inspired by all the malarkey that the All Lives Matter people and the men's rights people mm. have propagated in this culture, a new group has risen. They call themselves Super Happy Fun America. What? So Wait. you know it's not super happy or fun. Uh, <laughs> these aren't the ones who believe in group? reverse is racism, this, are they? Uh, is this a music band? What is this? I don't... Uh... All will be revealed. Okay. Is this Michael Stipe again? <laughs> He's busy. <laughs> so this group has decided that the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Santa Con, and 365 days of not being oppressed just wasn't enough. They want a straight pride parade in Boston um, now. I feel like these are the same people who do that ice dive in the wintertime <laughs> and naked. I don't, I've read about it. Man, this is doing nothing for Boston's reputation mm. now. It's like it had to be Boston. Yeah. You already have Matt Damon. Like, it's already bad. It's <laughs> uh, literally who was in my head. His face with Matt, with Ben Affleck. <laughs> he is somewhere right now interrupting a black woman. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. That's, yeah. So, according to the website, of this group. They exist to, quote, celebrate the diverse history, culture, and contributions of the straight community. um, The club's vice president, a dude named Mark Sahadi, wrote the following on Facebook. Of course, he uses Facebook. Quote, we filed a discrimination complaint, and it appears the city of Boston understands they would lose in litigation. This city is now working with us 
on the parade. So before I get into my own personal feelings about this, I think it's important to check in with a certain reviled 90s band (laughs) on how they feel. So the official Twitter statement from the band Smash Mouth Mm -hmm. reads as follows, quote, straight pride parade, question mark, question mark, question mark, off. (laughs) And I got to say, points were made. They were. Another Twitter user, someone unfamous, no shade, but she's not, called Lee Haley made me laugh with this tweet. Quote, why do straight people think they need a straight pride parade? Netflix is already paying $100 million to keep friends on. Isn't that enough? (laughs) Having just binged a lot of friends in hotel rooms over the last week, Mm -hmm. I can attest to that. And you did it proudly. (laughs) So I've spent a little bit of time imagining what the straight Mm. pride parade, which is happening in Um. August, will look like. And here's what I came up with. The Grand Marshal is that white dude who snatched the mic from Kamala Harris yes. oh, yeah. while she was talking yeah. about the wage mm-hmm. gap. And he had a man bun and he was gross. Yeah. Ew. He will be at this parade, like I said, as a grand marshal, at the forefront, leading chance of what do we want to be marginalized? When do we want it? <laughs> right now. Just right now. So he will be joined by a music headliner, none other than Kid Rock, obviously. Oh, of course. There will be no marching, though, because everyone will be rolling down the street on segways. Wearing oh, yeah. those toe shoes, those ugly Vibrous. ass toe shoes. Oh no, you mean the ones that were pro- they were debunked? They weren't even. They don't even provide the health benefits. <laughs> were they ever they... bunked? <sighs> also, none of them will have any rhythm. Nope. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Snap on the two and the four. <laughs> the main sponsor will be Chick Fil A. Just in case you're wondering, course, there will be chicken. So all this joking aside, I know Pride seems like a big old party, but newsflash. And history lesson. It's actually an annual celebration of being alive despite society trying to kill us all the time. Mm-hmm. So if feeling left out is the most oppressed that certain straight people ever feel, consider yourselves abundantly lucky and take a seat. Have a couple. All of them. Mm. And like also consider like every time you leave your house and don't feel the threat of possibly being hate crime, consider that your pride parade. You're just parading down the street with no care in the every world. Every day. You can you celebrate right now. You're celebrating right now. Live in it. Every single day. Head of the week to the super happy fun America people. (laughs) Nice try. You've been trending all day because everyone's dunking on you. Can't think of a better thing. And now to our peak of the week. Please take us away from that. Okay. Pop quiz time. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Who was just named the richest female musician in the entire world? Oh, Bjork was the first person that came to mind, but that came Wow. I don't know why. I mean, it should be. Bjork visibility on this podcast. I love it. (laughs) Celine Dion? She is on the list, but she is third with 450 million. La Reine. Fourth is Beyonce, Mm -hmm. 400 million. Second is Madonna with 570 million. So who's first? It's not like Barbara Streisand or something. No, it's Lady Gaga? No. It is Sierra. (laughs) <laughs> but okay sorry that was shade you didn't have to do that to sierra sorry, Come on. what's she ever done to uh, you i like her i was just not mm. enough <laughs> wow it is none other than rihanna yes oh, come on Fenty. empire yes 600 million dollars net worth according to forbes that is largely in part l-m-v-h deal it, baby exactly Ink it. with the fenty beauty And I'm sure her music is helping as well. But she's doing well for herself. And, you know, we've given this peak of the week to Rihanna several times because Mm -hmm. she gives us a lot of reasons. Right. And so peak of the week to Rihanna again for having enough coin to recreate the opening sequence of DuckTales where he dives into (laughs) an Olympic-sized pool with gold. Ooh. Yeah. Anytime you hear DuckTales, you got to hit him with that. 
and peak of the week for always being unbothered, no matter mm-hmm. what she's doing, mm-hmm. and for landing that hot Saudi billionaire so, boyfriend. I mean, sometimes I just Google those pictures because, I mean, I pe- why apparently not? they're about to get married. So, what? Hot, hot, hot. I thought they broke up. I thought she dumped him because she was bored. <laughs> oh. oh, well, maybe he's just like someone she calls when she's bored. Yeah, probably. You know? Sounds mm. like her. Mm, I kind of want her to dump him because then it'll remind me of when she was asked on the red carpet about what kind of man she likes. And she said, Who says I'm looking for a man? Exactly. Boom. Drake is still crying. And peak of the week, just in general, for giving us all something to strive for. Mm-hmm. Hashtag goals. Yes. Rihanna, we love you. And now for the song of the week. It's not by Rihanna. Oh, I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Does the name Nena Cherry ring any bells? Uh, yes, she's a patron saint in the UK. That's a no for me. I had a feeling that this would go exactly how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so I've brought in a clip for the Jameters of the world who maybe don't know Nene Cherry. Say it. Okay, I know the song. I just didn't know her name. You were mouthing those down. words. Mm-hmm. That's the, the national anthem. You lip synced for your life. <laughs> She's English? Uh, She's Swedish. Oh. oh whoa, whoa, what? So that song, Buffalo Stance, was a huge hit in 1988. And since 1988, when that was a hit, Miss Cherry has continued to make music, but she's not the only musical one in her family. One of her daughters, her name is Mabel, is now an artist in her own right. Mm. And her music sounds like it came out of a 90s time capsule, even though she was born in like 96. Mm. My fave song from her is called Low Key, and it would fit in on any SWV album. Oh. And that is a high compliment coming Whoa. from me. Yeah, okay. this, is, this is severe. So without further ado, take it away, Mabel. I thought I told you that I don't want no pressure. Thanks to David Marcus and Ashley Ann Craigbaum. All original music is by Carolyn Pennypacker Ricks. If you miss us, find us on social media. I'm at Excuse My Beauty. I'm at Teacup in the Bay. And I'm at Jamitra Says. Bye. Bye.